Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. My, my daughter says something. Uh, she came with her grandma to pick me up from the airport. And when he saw me, he said, Dad, I miss you. But I didn't want you to come back. <laughs> so, so I was like, why? You said you missed me, but what? You didn't want me to come back? She's like, yeah, I did. But you know what? Grandma always picked me up from school. And when she picks me up, she gives me treats. <laughs> she gives me everything. So now you are back. You will have to pick me. And I don't know if I'm going to get it. But it's good to be back home. I appreciate all your prayers, your support, and everything for my family. Um, it was quite a journey, but God's goodness was shown. It was just three weeks, but it felt like it was maybe two days. Because when I got there, it was just go, 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 every morning. You get up, you go, and then you have to come home late and then stay awake because of the time difference, five hours difference. So in order to catch all the family over here to talk to them, I have to probably sometimes stay awake till one o'clock, two o'clock to call to talk to them. And sometimes I would just sleep and then wake up to talk to them. But it was worth it because I wanted to make sure they are okay. And so sacrificing that time was good. I had opportunity to preach uh, for two churches. I did not personally, I didn't tell a lot of people, pastor friends that I knew, because everybody would have said, you need to come and preach for me. You need to come. So I told only two people. And those two people too was more than I bargained for. Because when I got there, it was like, yeah, you have to come to where I live. And that was two hours in a bus to go and preach. My goal was to come right back. But when I got there, I, I was like, no, I cannot go back two hours and then have to come back again. So I stayed there. Now, that two hours, when I got there, I thought it was just right there. But I had to take another 30 minutes to go. I was supposed to be there at 7, but I got there at 7.15 because the bus made a lot of stops, which I didn't expect. So I was a little late. And when I called the pastor, he picked me up. It was like, yeah, the people are waiting for you. So we got there probably around 8 o'clock. They were still there worshiping God. And so I had opportunity to speak to them, and God spoke mightily. Um, to them. This was a place of darkness, a lot of darkness, you know, if you've been to certain parts of Africa, there are places you go, you can feel the darkness there. It's, it's like something just, you know, crashing and you have to do spiritual warfare. So this is what happened when I preached. I talked to them about who Jesus is and making him everything. And so when I finished preaching, 
one of the pastors, the pastor came to me and said, do you know that this place, about half of the people that are sitting here, half of these people will go to what they call guards, like fetish priests, you know, to worship and ask for guidance and prayers, and then Sunday the same people will come and sit here. So it was like, which God are they trying to serve? The true God or another made-up God somewhere? So that darkness was so strong, but God really moved mightily. And we were able to survive. That Sunday that I was, Monday that I was supposed to preach, I felt very sick Friday. And I could sense that this wasn't something that was, you know, normal because I'm, I know the symptoms I have. But the symptom that I had over there wasn't a, just a regular symptom. So I thought I had malaria because I just couldn't stand. And my sister was like, can we take you to the doctor? And I said, no, I don't want to go to the doctor. But I persevered. And so the night, that night, I went to uh, a pharmacy to test if I have malaria or COVID or whatever. But it came, everything came negative. And so that Monday, I went to preach. I almost called the pastor and said, I'm not coming. But I knew God wanted to do something, so the enemy was also fighting to prevent me from going. But God did something marvelous. There's a lot, there's a lot that I, I can talk about, but I want to focus on what God put on my heart today. Maybe some other time we can uh, talk about it. I want to ask you this question. Is, uh, you can answer it. You know, it's more like a rhetorical question. Um, you just keep it to yourself. What was it like when you first fall in love? What was it like when you first fell in love? What was it like? Was it, you know, oh, I, I don't care, yeah, whether this person is sweet or this person is, I don't care. How about it? What was it like when you had something you cherished most, you first had it? Was there some excitement? Was there some joy? Was there some happiness? Could you just take your eyes off that? What was it like for those of us who have children when you first had child and looked at the face of that child? What was it like? Was there joy? Was there peace? How, how did you feel? I'm asking all these questions just to bring your mind to something. I, I want to let you know that there is unity in the spirit in this church. There is unity in the spirit. The reason I'm saying that is all the songs that they were singing, I didn't tell them what I was going to preach about today. When I was seeking God, what message do you want me to bring? Because I've been back in the jet lag and all this stuff trying to you know, adjust, my body trying to adjust back. I just didn't even feel or had the energy to come and stand here. 
So when I, when I was asking God, what do you want me to preach? What do you want me to bring? And the message he gave to me, the songs that they were singing, a lot of it was about the message. A lot of it. And it has been happening consistently. A lot of times when I stand here to preach, I don't tell them what I'm going to preach about. But they will sing songs that connect to the message. So that tells me there's unity in the spirit here. God is working. God is connecting things. God is making things happen. All right. When I was about to marry my wife, you know, she was living in America, and I was living in Africa. So the dating was long-distance dating, <laughs> very short. And, uh, and uh, I didn't even know what dating was, you know. So I felt so excited when we first connected, you know, to date. I would go. Back then, there wasn't the Internet. Uh, somebody's probably thinking, oh, how old are you? <laughs> that you are talking about internet. Oh, so there wasn't internet where you were dating? Uh, yeah, there wasn't anything like internet. So I couldn't just go and sit down and say, I am typing, I love you. <laughs> you know, to my wife, I couldn't do that. So the only way I could do something is either write a letter and post it. Or maybe make a phone call. And that is, what, distance. So if I make a phone call, she could just get it right away. Now, one thing to where I lived, the connection wasn't all that good. So sometimes you make a call for a long time, it will not go through. So you see the struggle. I found my love. I need to get to her. But I cannot fly right away to America to meet her. So I have to find ways to connect, to talk to her. And so that was letter, everything. So one day I went and bought um, a card. It was getting closer to Valentine's Day. And I know if I mail something, it will probably take two, three weeks before she gets it. So I plan ahead of time before Valentine's Day. I did my calculations. Oh, okay, from now up to this, it will be three weeks. So she will get it. Before Valentine's Day comes, then I know I have given her something. So I went, bought my card. I wanted to send a flower, but it will probably die before it gets here. I don't know. You know, so I came out with all this stuff. What can I do? You know, to let her know that, hey, I love you. I appreciate you. I wanted to also buy, you know, the flower, I, I call it fake, but, you know, it's, it's not real flower, but it's flower, you know. <laughs> yeah. But that will also, I don't know what that would have represented when she got it. So I just did not do that. So I took my time to write certain things in this note card to express the flower, to express everything, to let her know that, hey, I love you. You know, I cherish you. You are my first love. I care about you. I did it. She got it. You know, so we use that to exchange things. You know, she will call. She will send me letters. 
that was long distance, but my heart was just yearning to get to her. And her heart too was like that, to get to me, to get closer, to get to know me. So this morning, I want to talk about my first love. I'm not, I'm not talking about my wife, Christy, no. I'm talking about first love. First love. So we will be reading some scriptures for you to know because it has come to a point where sometimes the zeal we have, the joy we have, you know, the, the excitement that we get when we first came to Christ. But as time goes on, it's like it's waning, you know. Uh, I, I bought a little car, and every time I see this car, I want to wash it. I want to wash it clean, and I want to detail it. I want to do I did it for a couple of weeks, and after that, it was like, ah, it's your car. <laughs> Just, you know, take it to the de- wherever I let wash it and go home. No detail, because I was doing it myself. So as time went on, things just became normal. And Christian life can be like that sometimes, where our zeal, our joy, everything, our enthusiasm, whatever we have for God becomes just normal. And the fire that used to probably burn in us, that Nobody would just even tell me not to do anything, but oh, because of the love that I found, Jesus, I'm just going to do whatever it can win. So we will be reading uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. Revelation 2, 1 to 7. We are talking about first love. First Love. So when they were singing the songs and they were talking about my first love and love, I was just sitting there like, yes, that is it. That is it. God was telling us that is what we need. He was reminding us that we have to remember. So we are going to do some little, you know, we are going back to memory lane. Memory lane. And I want you to think about some years or some, I don't know, when you first came to him. How was it? Is it the same thing now? Are you even going higher? Or is it just the same? Do you have it there? Okay. All right. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. 
but you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church, to the churches, to the, to the one who is victorious. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. You know, when I went back home, it felt like I went back to my root. So there were some things that I was reminded of, that this, this is part of you. That is part of you. So even having lived in America for a while, the culture and some things that I was used to that I thought, oh, I'm here, so I, I don't care about those. I had to go back to revisit it, to see if I was still doing those things. This is what Jesus sent to the churches in Asia, seven churches. Now, the question I always ask is, there were a lot of churches, right? The church at Jerusalem was there. Rome was there. Other places. But Jesus chose this particular seven churches for some reason. Now, seven, my understanding is complete, right? It stands for completion. So there were certain things about these churches that Jesus knew makes complete what is happening in his church. And so he was using this as a reminder to us that, hey, be careful. You don't fall into this. There are recommendations, but I, will also, I also have some things against you. And those things that I have against you, it's my goal that you do what? Repent. So we will be talking about repentance. Repentance, a lot of times, is what, you know, it's hard to hear. In most churches, we don't talk about it. Because when you talk about it, it becomes, you know, like, oh, are we all going to hell? Are we all sinners? Are we all this? No. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that there are some things probably in our lives that God is displeased with. That he wants us to do something about it. And because he loves us, he is reminding us to do something about it. So he's not a God that is just sitting there with a whip in his hand, ready to smash your head because you have not repented. But at the same time, the scripture says he is slow to anger, right? So he will give us the chance to do what he expects us to do. John wrote this and sent it to these churches. Seven of them, we are talking about one, Ephesus. Now, Ephesus means darling or the desired one. Darling or the desired one. This describes the apostolic church, the delight that God has for his people. And so he was trying to bring them to place. Now, when you read this, there was a condemnation. Jesus said something. He condemned them. Okay? 
He also showed his concern about what was going on. There was a commendation. I think you are doing good. I think you, you, you are practicing this. So we'll be going through that. There was also exhortation. You know, what they needed to correct. What they needed to change. Now, this is a whole church that Jesus was speaking to. But my understanding is church is the people, right? In it. Not the building. So if Jesus is speaking, then he's speaking to the whole church. But as individuals, we have to take it. That is why I titled it my love, my first love. You know, when I use mine, mine denotes what? Possession. It is mine. This microphone that I'm holding is mine. You can only claim it if you say it is what? Yours. So if you say this is mine, as you are sitting there, you are taking possession of it. Even though I'm saying it is mine. So I could have said your first love. But I said my first love. So I put myself in there to show possession that this is mine. I have to have it. I need to get it. Ephesus was a place that was the capital of Asia Minor. And there was a lot of immorality in that society. A lot of bad things going on. There was a, a goddess, Artemis was there, and this god, goddess was worshipped by a lot of people. And so because of that, there were people in the church, like I told you, the village that I went, those people will come to church and worship God, do whatever, and then when they go home, or when they go where nobody's there, they go back to these gods, and they do their own thing. It was like that in Ephesus. They practiced that. So the Christians, most of the Christians in that church, during that time, did the same thing. Some of them did right, others did not. And so Christ Jesus had to talk to them that I have certain things for you. So I'm going to just go line by line so you can see what I am talking about. Verses 2 to 3. Could you put that up there? Verses 2 to 3. There was a commendation. That is just one. Okay. Yeah. Two. Two and three. There was a commendation. Jesus was saying, look, there are some things that you are doing that are like you hate sinners. You've tested the apostles because during that time, people will rise up and say, I am apostle this, I am this. But their teachings did not correspond to what God wanted them. So Jesus was telling them that you hated those people. And because you, you tested them, I commend you for that. We are sitting here. There are so many things that God will commend us or is commending us for, which you know. But deep down, if we sit down, we go to memory lane, we think about things. There are some things, too, that in ourselves, it will be like, 
this we have to let go. So if there's division in the church, that is not from God. That means those things have to do what? Go. If there is sin in the church, which most churches don't talk about, because then it becomes like you are pounding somebody's head. Oh, you, you are this. Oh, you know, I am not here to do that. I am just saved by grace as everybody else. But the thing is, we always work our salvation with what? Fear and trembling. That means I humble myself and go before him. God, here I am. This is me, Kwame. If I'm standing in your mirror, what are the things that you disapprove? What are the things you don't want me to do? Help me to let go of these things. So we are not doing holier than thou here. Oh, he's standing there preaching like he's holy. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that grace brings us to God. And when that grace brings us before we stand in his mirror, he reveals certain things about us. And when he does that and those things brings conviction, it is our job to repent. And when we ask for his mercy, he shows up and he gives us the grace to overcome. And we do overcome it. That's why when you read to the end, he said, Overcomer, there was some word there, overcomer, because Jesus does that when we go to him. But when we feel proud and we feel arrogant, like, yeah, we are all, you know, we can do it, then we will not be able to do anything. That city was known for a lot of immoral practices some of which I don't want to go into the, the, the young ears here. So I will just leave that alone. First love. The time that I came to know Christ, the fire that was burning inside of me, that I wanted to share, tell everybody who Jesus is, what he has done for me, where he has saved me from, the zeal that I had, do I still have it? Do I still have it? That is the question you have to answer, and it's a question that I have to answer. This day and age that we live in, <laughs> it is very popular to be open-minded to many types of sin. It is very popular to be open-minded to many types of sin. And sometimes, you know, we call alternative lifestyle some things that I'm doing that I feel like, oh, yeah, well, well this, this is just my own life, you know. Um, it's okay. It is not. The Bible is talking to us about what Jesus is expecting us. There are so many, you know, I don't want to compare New York with this place, Ephesus. It seems like if you go to New York, anything goes, right? Whatever sin you want to name. I know it's Louisiana too, everywhere, but there are certain spots, certain areas that you go, sin is just normal. Things that God displeases, 
is normal. And so when people are doing that because they are, they are so desensitized, the conviction of God is just thrown away. It becomes like a condemnation. Therefore, I'm not going to mention this particular sin because it becomes like a condemnation. No. If the Holy Spirit is doing it, it's a conviction. And when he is convicting, then he is also telling you, I am giving you the power. If you are coming to me, I'm going to help you to let go of it. There are times we hold on to things. Oh, I'm just hanging on. For how long? For how long would you hold on to it? Uh, I think it is time we let go and let God hold us. Whatever is going on in our lives. We have to learn to prioritize God. Make God our priority. We will be talking about, you know, we'll be doing series about this. Making God our priority. Making God our priority. When you read Romans, uh, I will come back to this, but can you go to Romans chapter 12? Verse 1 to 2. I'll come back to this. Okay. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to who? Kwame. Is it that? No. Pleasing to who? God. This is your true and proper worship. Me offering myself to God, sacrificing myself to God, remembering my first love. It's my true worship, what? To God. Verse 2, do not conform to the pardons of this world. Do not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. This is where repentance comes in. Okay, going to God, asking him to purify our mind with all the filth and all the things that easily pull us away from him. We're going to him. Say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of us want to walk in God's will? Yes, everybody. So this is it, right there. Right there. Renewing our mind. Not conforming to the standard of this will. Well, what is the standard? You know, I don't have to go through it. There are so many things that you know. Myself, I know the standard that I have to guard against. The question is, what is yours? What do you see that you need to guard against? So do not conform to this standard. During that time of Ephesus, when Jesus was writing this to them, the church had steadfastly stood on their ground 
worshiping God, warding off evil, and so many things. But Jesus says something. Of all the good things that you are doing, nevertheless, I have something against you. Of all the good that you are doing, one thing I cherish most is your what? First love. That means you have to put me first. If you put anything else first, you make that an idol. Whether knowingly or unknowingly, you make that an idol. There's one thing God will not do. That he will not put himself second. Are you hearing me? He will not put himself second. He is God. He is everything. He is the first. And so he expects us to what? Put him as the first. So when we don't put him as the first, then our life, our worship, everything we are doing, we're doing in vain. He has to take the first place in our lives. He has to be the number one love. I pray that you will make him that. A lot of times in churches, we try to do the kingdom work instead of worshiping the king. So we are busy doing the kingdom work, right? I have to do this. Oh, yes, I'm going to worship. Yes, I'm doing this. But my relationship with him is just on the back burner. Or it is just lukewarm. Or it is just not as the way he wants it to be. I believe by now God is speaking to you where you have to be. Maybe from point A to B or to C or whatever. He is speaking to you. We let activities and things take place in our lives that draw us away from what God expects us to do. When I went to Africa, one thing I realized was the concept of time. Uh, majority of the people don't have concept of time. So if somebody tells you, I'm going to be there at 10 o'clock, your house at 10 o'clock, don't expect 10 o'clock. <laughs> they will be there at 10.30. They can be there at 11, 11.30. That's what they did. So when I went there, it was hard for me to adjust, but I was born and raised here. I went through the same thing. So why? What has changed? What is different? Because I have lived here, and here time is time. You have to go to work and be there at 7. You have to be there at 7. There's no excuse for that. Is there excuse in our lives for Christ? See, there, when they tell you that, so I remember, you know, one funny story. I went to a wedding. 
in that particular wedding, <laughs> it was supposed to be 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock on the dot. The engagement was Friday. And that Friday, the pastor stood and looked at the face of the bride and said, tomorrow, what time is the wedding? She said, 10 o'clock. What time is the wedding? 10 o'clock. What time is the wedding? Several times. The lady said 10. So Saturday came for the wedding. I was running errands with one of my brothers, and they called me. Where are you? Where are you? Because I was supposed to be a uh, best man. But I knew that if I don't do what I'm going to do, my time will be wasted because they don't have their concert of time. So I got there. They called me several times. We got there 10.05, which I was late. As soon as we stood, the pastor stood in front of the pulpit like this. If I don't see any family member within the five minutes, I am calling off the wedding. And I was just standing there. So where are the family members? The church was empty. Everybody knows the wedding is at 10, but the church was empty. So when I heard that, I ran to my brother and I said, we, we need to go and talk to this pastor. We have to go and beg him because if we don't, the wedding is going to call off. He's going to call it off. So we went and talked to him. His face was like this. But out of respect, <laughs> you know, he just said, it's okay. 10.15. The bride was not there. The groom was not there. No family member. So I was just in the why. Where is the sense of urgency? Do we have that? So when they came, now they were trying to, oh, let me tie your tie. Let me do this. I'm like, he said five minutes ago he was going to call it off. Just go and sit down whether you have your tie or not. Sit down. And let's do the wording and go. See, so I learned certain things that, you know, they didn't show love for time. They didn't respect it. And so it meant nothing to them. I don't know of our Christian life. Do we love Jesus? Is he the first love? Is he everything to us? Or he's a Jesus of convenience? Whenever I need him, I go to him. Because I am so busy each day that the hours and the minutes that are in each day is not even enough for me. So why should I give Jesus some? Because when I get up in the morning, the hours and the minutes are not enough. I have to do this. I have to go here. I have to do this. So what time do I prioritize to give it to him? Our relationship to him is more important than chores that we have to do in the church or at home. We have to cultivate that relationship. He talked about Nicolaitans. We are good with time. We will be closing in a few minutes. They were believers <laughs> that compromised their faith 
in order to enjoy some sinful pleasure. Right? They compromise their faith in order to enjoy some sinful pleasure. So Jesus was displeased with them. There were also a sect that taught immoral behavior, immoral practices. They said it was okay to do certain things. Meanwhile, they were in church. I hope you will not kick me out of here. Because you will not, right? Good. So if I have Jesus as my Savior, and he is everything to me, why do I live with somebody that is not my husband? Or somebody that is not my wife? Why do I live with them? If I am doing that, then I am acting like the, those Nicolaitans. Because they compromise their faith for the joy of immoral things. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.
for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.